College football junkie season is in full swing. Before we got on the air, Alabama safety Caleb Downs is planning to enter the transfer portal. That news broke from on three Jeremy Johnson with the report there. This is massive. We prefaced it a little bit on yesterday's show just simply because there was a report by ESPN that he was undecided as if he would stay in the, in, uh, on Alabama's roster, if he would hit the portal. So sounds like this thing is moving one direction at the time of us being live. I do not believe his name has officially entered the portal yet. Spoke to some folks close to Alabama. They do not believe he's coming back to Tuscaloosa. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll break down this decision because I think it's important for us to kind of circle up here as a college football community right here on the hard count and have a uh, discussion about that as to his decision to enter the transfer portal. And also we'll talk about where he might be headed. I've got not one, not two, but three schools that I want us to keep an eye on. All right. Welcome into the hard count. This is the People's College Football Show. Today is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. The last one in the history of this planet. We're going to make it an absolute great one. Talking some Caleb Downs. Also, a lot of... Uh, a lot of news right now surrounding Michigan. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy entering the draft, and we talked a little bit yesterday as if, you know, on the topic of will they go after someone in the portal. But there's more headlines right now about Jim Harbaugh interviewing with yet another NFL team, my Atlanta Falcons, and uh, also some news around his Michigan contract and some of the language within there. He doesn't want to be on the hook if the NCAA ends up coming after Michigan. He doesn't want to be terminated for cost. So we'll talk about that language because that sort of ended up being a sticking point for a lot of folks, it seemed like, and a lot of opinions on what that says about Jim Harbaugh and his guilt, quote unquote, within that whole situation. So we'll give you our thoughts there. I think there's more to that than what meets the eye. Uh, Y'all, Florida State's been crushing it in the transfer portal. They've been absolutely dominating the portal. 14 guys already committed, uh, or rather transferring in for, uh, for the Knowles. And it's not just, not just quantity, it's quality for them. We'll talk about why and how Florida State and Mike Norvell are doing what they're doing in the portal. And then also our hard count meetings continue. A lot of y'all in my mentions on Twitter, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. A lot of the good folks from Los Angeles asking why we're not talking about USC. Because they've made some hires now on the defensive side of the football. Made a big time uh, co-DC hire the other day from the NFL ranks. They hired a D.C. from UCLA, and UCLA had a strong defense a season ago. So we'll give you our thoughts on where things stand in L.A. with Lincoln Riley, with USC, and uh, just how we feel about the Trojans right now. Because I understand that the desire for us to talk more about them, we talked about them a lot a season ago, but I think right now the time for talking is drawing to an end. We need some action. And then also, a lot of y'all that were on the Twitter sphere yesterday, some rumblings about our beloved NCAA football game from EA Sports. There was a release date that was put out there that is turned out to be not confirmed. Now, it may or may not still be released on that day, July 12th, 2024, but I want us to get together yet again and talk about this and kind of give us uh, the proper gauge for how we should approach getting ready for the new NCAA football game and uh, just kind of unpack what we know there as of right now. So again, appreciate y'all being dialed in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked the video. Get at me on the social channels now. At JD Piquel, Twitter, Instagram. Those are two places where we will give you content around the clock every single day, as well as on this channel. But obviously, we're live three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Glad to have y'all dialed in. Let's get right to it, man. The news of the transfer portal cycle to this point, in my opinion, is Caleb Downs planning to enter the portal. Now, by the time you're watching this in a one-off video, 
He may already have his name entered into the portal. As of right now, it is plans to enter. Talk to some folks close to Alabama, as we mentioned at the top of this show. Does not sound like this is a situation where he's going to test the waters and then come back to Alabama. The report from ESPN yesterday was that he was undecided about the portal, or I guess two days ago, was undecided about entering the portal or staying at Alabama, wanted to see what happened with the Alabama defensive staff. Alabama hires Ken Womack. I don't know if it was like he didn't like the hire or it was a bad fit, whatever. At the end of the day, Caleb Downs is deciding to go somewhere else. I don't think it's a personal thing with Ken Womack or anything like that. I just think it's Caleb Downs saying, okay, I think I can find a better situation for myself. So again, with this decision, I think there's more than what meets the eye. Because anytime a player of Caleb Downs' caliber enters the portal, everyone is quick to say, well, it's an NIL play. It's an NIL chase. He just wants the bag. He's going to the highest bidder. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that wherever Caleb Downs goes, there won't be some NIL deal in place for him to be able to benefit from. That's college football right now. Like everyone is in that space if you enter the portal and you're a high-profile player like Caleb Downs is. But to assume that's why he's transferred, that's where he's going to go to the highest bidder, I just think that's very, very far-fetched. I think that's very incorrect. So make sure you're subscribed. We will have a reaction as soon as Caleb Downs does commit to a certain school. We'll give you our uh, our short list of schools we're watching for him right now. But again, make sure you're dialed in here so you don't miss a minute of what we got coming here on this channel. So going back to what I was saying, um, Caleb Downs and his decision to transfer, I don't think it's this massive indictment on Alabama. I don't think it's this massive statement on Kalen DeBoer and what he's doing at Alabama and the staff he's putting together. I don't think it's any of that. I think for Caleb Downs, his commitment out of high school, yes, it was to that script A. Yes, it was to the school overall that is Alabama. But like, if we're calling a spade a spade here, when you get recruited out of high school, you commit to a person. You commit to a staff. You hear guys say it all the time as to why they end up committing to a school on Saturday when they throw on that hat. They say things like, I had a good relationship with the staff. I felt comfortable there. I liked coach so-and-so. The people Caleb Downs committed to were Traveris Robinson, who's now at Georgia, and Nick Saban, who's now retired. People commit to people. Recruits commit to people. We would love for them to commit to schools and commit to their major and commit to the university and all that. And like, I think some of that's factored into your decision, but with how much time you spend around your coaching staff, you better like the people you're committing to. You better make that a major point of your decision. And so Caleb Downs, the people he committed to, are no longer at Alabama. It's hard to blame him for saying, you know what, I think I need to search for a better situation. And going back to what we said about the whole NIL deal, like, if, if NIL was the main point for Caleb Downs, if that was the end-all, be-all, I do not believe Alabama would have been the school for him out of high school. Now, I have no inside information here. I don't know the specific numbers for different schools. But, like, what do we know about Alabama? Are they that, you know, are they usually at the forefront of the NIL discussion? No, it's typically some other schools we're talking about. So if a bag was, was it for him, I think he probably could have gone somewhere else. That's my feeling. I know that to be true, but that's my feeling. So what is Alabama losing here? I think it's pretty straightforward. You're losing the best player on your roster. I mean, what Caleb Downs did last season on the field, 70 solo tackles, two interceptions as a true freshman in the SEC. My guy did numbers like Goodwill Hunting. And also, you can tell a lot about a player by how his coaches talk about him, especially a coach like Nick Saban. And we said it yesterday in our, uh, in our video talking about the idea of Caleb Downs transferring and if he maybe would or wouldn't test the waters. Nick Saban, in his 
post-retirement interview with Reese Davis was asked point blank, who are the players that were tough to say goodbye to? And Nick Saban specifically mentions a true freshman in Caleb Downs. If that doesn't speak volumes to how highly the greatest of all time Nick Saban thinks about Caleb Downs, I don't know what does. So the dude's a baller, and I said this yesterday too, I think he's a thermostat kind of player. I think the way that he carries himself by nature of the way people talk about him, he steps into a room and sets the temperature for that workout or for that meeting. And I think the leadership quality of what he brings there is obviously massive. So if you're Alabama, this is going to provide a lot of narratives, probably provide some uneasiness. But again, I don't think it's so much a statement on Bama as much as it is Caleb Downs saying, hey, listen, the people I committed to are no longer here. I'm going to go look for some other people to commit to. So the question now becomes, who's going to win the Caleb Downs sweepstakes? And I don't think this is a, a Rubik's Cube to solve, really, in terms of who's in it. The front runner for just about everybody, if you were to ask them, I think has to be Georgia. Right? Like they feel like the clear front runner here for a number of reasons. And, and the, the most obvious point to this, Traveris Robinson was cited in the ESPN report as a reason as to why Caleb Downs would consider hitting the portal. If a certain coach is a reason as to why you would consider transferring, you have to believe he's also a reason as to why you would commit somewhere. And Caleb Downs, should he end up transferring to Georgia, would be coached individually by Traveris Robinson, with him being the co-DC there, working with the safeties as well. Like, that feels pretty straightforward. Also, talking about priorities, there's this thought around the NIL, and oh, he's only after the bag. Like, that's what every, I think, bitter fan likes to say when they feel a certain kind of way about their player leaving their school. Caleb Downs deciding on Alabama out of high school tells me his priorities were development and competing against the best of the best. That was why you go play for Nick Saban and go get coached by him. So you have to imagine that priority probably didn't change a whole lot over one year playing in the collegiate ranks. So if Nick Saban is no longer coaching, who is as good an option when it comes to development and competing against the best of the best? I think it's Kirby Smart. You look at his defenses, you look at the number of draft picks Georgia's put into the league, you look at how they've uh, developed across the board there. Like Georgia feels like it checks all the boxes and then some. So also, when you look at Georgia, you know, kind of being that clear front runner, you have to factor in the geographical part of this. And I don't know if this is really the, the major point for him to go to Georgia, if that's where he ends up going. But like, dude's from the state of Georgia, played his state championship game in Atlanta, which is like, what, an hour and a half, two hours away from Athens. Like, it's just up the road. The bottom line here is Georgia makes a lot of sense. I'd be surprised if it's not the dogs. But even with that being said, we got to kind of see how this thing plays out. Another school to watch here, and we talked about it yesterday, Ohio State feels like one to watch. I was in Columbus, Ohio, when Caleb Downs was a senior in high school. And it was the day of the Ohio State-Michigan game. Massive day for recruits. Uh, a ton of guys that are already committed are there. Brandon Ennis was there. Um, Cardinal Tate is there. And talked to somebody close to Ohio State that told me before the game, like, hey, Caleb Downs is taking a surprise visit today to this game for Ohio State. Like, he, he's going to be on the sideline here. And the reason why that's significant is he went to Ohio State, Michigan, over the Iron Bowl of Alabama-Auburn. He's been committed to Alabama this entire time. So the fact that Ohio State got that surprise visit that late in the process, it has to speak some volumes to how Caleb Downs feels about Ohio State. I don't know how they'll factor in this time around, but the fact they were a finalist for him out of high school, 
I think deserves some consideration. The Jim Knowles defense, man, too, the way that he operates that thing, that's fun to play in now. That's a fun defense to play in, especially with how exotic they are with the safeties, what they would ask him to do to come up and play the run, probably get to blitz the quarterback a little bit. Like, I think you would get to do a little bit of everything in that defense. So Ohio State would make sense. And, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I also have to believe that the development side of things for Ohio State, the way they've had some, some strong defenders in the league, not so much at the safety position consistently, but just across the board, Ohio State, if you ball at Ohio State, the next level is every bit as accessible to you as anywhere else. So we'll keep an eye on Ohio State. And those are the two you're going to hear about the most. Ohio State and Georgia. Probably not in that order. Probably Georgia than Ohio State. But one more school that I want us to kind of keep a close eye on, the dark horse of this whole thing for me, is Florida State. Now again, I would be wildly surprised personally if Caleb Downs didn't end up in Georgia. But with that being said, I don't think you can count Florida State out in any portal recruitment. I mean, correlation isn't causation, but heck, Florida State... They've landed five players from Alabama so far in this portal cycle. Mike Norvell has proven like he is going to be a dog when it comes to recruiting the portal. There's clearly the resources to land top guys if that were to be a factor in this recruitment. And also, talk about pedigree and development all playing a factor in landing Caleb Downs. I truly believe that. I think that's probably the number one priority for him. Patrick Sertain, senior, who coaches the secondary at Florida State, Played in the league for double-digit years. Had a successful career. You have to imagine he would have a close relationship with Caleb Downs if he were to end up in Tallahassee and kind of be someone that he were to tutor very closely. Like, I think Florida State, if you're walking out the reasons, makes sense. Now, again, there's no smoke around this. There's no buzz around this. But if you're looking for a school that's outside of those two that could maybe somehow factor into this thing and be a, be a surprising school to watch... I think Florida State's is a pretty solid dark horse. So again, Caleb Downs plans to enter the transfer portal. This is not a down on Bama kind of situation. It's definitely a loss for Bama. No way around it. Never a good thing to lose the best player on your roster. It would be a gut punch if he went to the school that you played in the SEC championship next season. But at the end of the day, people commit to people. Very difficult for me to sit here and blame Caleb Downs, given the nature of the situation and given the nature of just recruiting in general. So Caleb Downs, wherever he goes, man, he's going to be an immediate impact player. I think we've all seen what he's capable of. I think he would be a factor anywhere he, he, he ends up landing. Um, but again, he's proven what he can do. And the school I'm watching transparently is the Georgia Bulldogs. So again, as soon as we have news breaking on that, we will have an instant reaction for you. The news broke this morning, before the show even, even went on the air. The news broke. Caleb Downs entering the transfer portal. Came to the On3 YouTube channel. We already had a video up for you, giving you our thoughts and giving you the, the immediate reaction to that as well. So as soon as he commits somewhere, we will have a reaction for you. Mark my words. Make sure you're locked in here so you don't miss that. Appreciate everybody dialed in live, man. This is junkie college football season. Now, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again, man. Games aren't being played right now. The first signing day, which really is signing day now, is behind us. This is the part of the year where we are just feeding off of intel, off of message boards for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You go to YouTube, and when this show isn't on the air, I imagine you go ahead and search in a full college football games, and you're watching back the 2006 Rose Bowl, or you're watching back 
you know, your team's favorite game from this past season. Like, this is our time now. This is where this is where we really shine. I had one of y'all DM me on Instagram and say the program shines the brightest in the darkest offseason. And we appreciate y'all for that. We're doing that right now. So let's lock and load, baby. Let's keep this thing rolling, man. Jim Harbaugh watch continues. And it, we're, honestly, we're going to continue this kind of watch, quite frankly, until we get something concrete as to where he's headed next. Uh, Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. Transparently, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. I haven't really been able to have anything to cheer about for some time now, but if you had to ask me what my favorite NFL franchise was, I would say the Falcons. As a Falcons fan, I was like, that would be awesome. I would love if they landed Jim Harbaugh. As a college football fan, which of course supersedes my NFL fanhood, I was like, dang. More smoke to the fire. More smoke to the fire. Now, to be clear, I think Jim Harbaugh would love the varsity. Those of y'all that know the varsity, my Atlanta people, you know what I'm talking about. Blue-collar operation, gritty, lunch pail, hard hat kind of deal over there. A lot of energy, though, and enthusiasm unknown to mankind at the varsity. So, Jim Harbaugh, should he end up there? I mean, I think that's a, it's a sponsorship deal made in heaven. But here's what I want us to talk about when it comes to him taking yet another interview at the NFL level. Interview with the Chargers, now interview with the Falcons. We'll get to his contract with Michigan here in a second, but here's what this tells me. This interview, taking another interview tells me there's not just interest for Jim Harbaugh, there is true desire. Like, interest is taking a phone call. Interest is having one interview. To take multiple interviews in that same number of days tells me there's the, there's the desire for him to find the right fit. Like, he's actively seeking out the next destination for himself. So, does he end up taking one of these jobs? Is it the right fit? I think that still remains to be seen. There's this wide-ranging thought that the Chargers are the better fit. And I'm not here to jump into the NFL side of things, but just for Jim Harbaugh, again, there's more smoke. There's more of an effort on his side of things after he signed Don Yee as his agent, who has deep NFL ties, that he is desiring to find the right fit. So I'm kind of holding my same stance here. I think he's going to leave to the NFL. If I had to, to place money down today, I think he's going to leave to the NFL. You don't do all this homework. You don't take all these interviews unless you're actively trying to find that right next job. Now, with that same thing being said, though, there's the contract going on with Michigan. They're trying to put their best offer on the table. And this also, I think, further proves the idea that he's probably head of the NFL because when you have all the leverage on a certain place or in a certain negotiation, rather, on Michigan at this point in time, and I don't mean this in any ill will with Jim Harbaugh having some sort of thought around how he's approaching the Michigan job, but if you're in negotiations and you feel somewhat confident you might be leaving, you can ask for whatever you want. And the headline that came out the other day from Yahoo, I believe it was Dan Wetzel that reported this, uh, there's a couple of things within the, the Jim Harbaugh contract at Michigan he's asking for that some people are raising their eyebrows at. The first is the delayed start date of his new contract. If he were to sign it, he would want it to be after February 15th. Important for two reasons. One, that would maintain a lower buyout for NFL teams. It dropped from $2.25 million to $1.5 million after January 11th. Michigan wants that buyout closer to $4 million. So that's the first part. The other part of this is that start date for his contract being after February 15th would be after the NFL's hiring cycle. So again, just further furthering the thought rather that he is trying to keep his options open for the NFL if he finds that right fit. But here's the real thing people got hung up on. Here was the real headline that people stuck to and punchline culture got ahead of it and started quote tweeting it. 
Jim Harbaugh wants protection from whatever findings the NCAA turns up with in their investigation from, you know, all the sign stealing stuff and the Connor Stallion saga. Like he wants to have immunity that he will not be fired regardless of what they find. And of course, the Twitter fingers got out there from the good folks at opposing fan bases that have an agenda. And they said, well, this just proves that he's, that he's guilty. This proves, man, that, that innocent people, they don't ask for immunity. Well, I hear what you're saying, but my pushback on that would be, I think you do ask for immunity when you don't trust the judge. Like, I have no problem with Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, I want to be protected from whatever the NCAA finds. I don't want to be fired because the NCAA finds X, Y, and Z thing and acts accordingly. Because essentially what I'm, what I'm reading here is Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to put his fate in the NCAA's hands that they're going to be reasonable. And I don't think that's unfair. Like Reggie Bush still does not have his Heisman Trophy. And we got players driving Lamborghinis and getting six-figure NIL deals. And that man still does not have his Heisman Trophy. And we want to trust the NCAA to be reasonable here? Tez Walker's not eligible till like how many weeks into the season after just a ridiculous, I mean, quite frankly, a, a fine print kind of thing within the NCAA and the transfer portal. We want to trust them to be reasonable. So for Jim Harbaugh saying, you know what? No, I want myself protected from the NCAA's unreasonableness. I don't think that's, I don't think that's wrong to, to ask for. I would also say this, Jim Harbaugh, saying I don't want to be fired from the uh, or I don't want to be fired from whatever the NCAA finds from Michigan isn't him saying I'm not guilty like I, I've said this many times on this show I think Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan staff as a whole probably did some wrongdoing with the Connor Stallion stuff whether they knew about it or not there's probably some amount of wrongdoing that happened there that's not the discussion the discussion here for Jim Harbaugh is saying okay whatever they find Michigan do you have my back if we get a bull ban, if we get probation, if we get heavy sanctions, do you have my back? Because if you do, and I sign this, that's me saying I have your back. That's me saying I have your back to be your head coach for X number of years or until he ends up eventually scratching that itch and taking an NFL job. It's not a matter of right versus wrong or guilty versus innocent. It's a matter of do you have my back? Loyalty between Jim Harbaugh and the powers that be at Michigan. So, I don't, I don't blame Jim Harbaugh at all. I don't blame Jim Harbaugh. I don't think this says anything about guilty versus not guilty. I understand the thought behind it, but again, it's the NCAA we're dealing with. Would you trust them to be reasonable? Would you trust them to make a decision on your future if your job hung in the balance and you had the leverage you wouldn't maybe write in something there that says, hey, I'm protected from this unreasonable organization historically? Again, I don't have a problem with it, but I do think Jim Harbaugh in his days in college football as much as it hurts right here, right in the heart for those of y'all that are listening on podcasts, um, it hurts. It hurts, but I think that's the reality here. So we'll keep an eye on that. Harbaugh watch. What is it? I guess I'll call today day two because we really talked about it for the first time yesterday. Day two of Harbaugh watch is in the books. Day three is underway right now, so let's lock and load. Florida State is absolutely crushing the transfer portal. Mike Novell and company, Probably should have been in the college football playoff last year. If they go undefeated yet again this upcoming season, they will not be left out of the college football playoff as we move to 12 teams. But how is Florida State dominating portal combat? How are they getting it done? Let's talk about that. Florida State, 
at the time of us recording this, time of us being live rather, have a top five portal class in the 2024 portal cycle. Yes, portal cycle is a thing we got to talk about now. And they have 14 transfers that have headed to Tallahassee. And you look at the, the number of players that they've got and you say, okay, how much quality is there to that? 13 of those 14 transfers come from a power conference. I'm factoring in uh, Oregon State into that. Um, five of them from Alabama. So correlation isn't causation, but we all understand this. The way that Nick Saban recruits, uh, he recruits creme de la creme. You don't get to be on the roster at Alabama if you can't play a little bit of ball. Now, if you don't get on the field at Alabama, I don't think that's an indictment on what your abilities are either. It's just tough to get on the field when you're you know, in a three deep with two other five stars, just the way that it goes. So why is this happening? Why is Florida State able to crush it in the portal the way that they are? One, I think you have to say the obvious is the way that they evaluate players. The way that they scout in the portal is probably as good as anyone else by nature of them landing a guy like Jared Verse from Albany and Braden Fisk. Guys like that, I don't think you stumble upon guys like that unless you're doing the right things on the scouting and evaluating side of things. But the, all, the other part of this, too, is Florida State is able to push proof of concept to guys in the portal. Like, if you're Florida State, you're able to say with absolute confidence, if you come here and you use the tools we give you and you do the right things, your draft stock will be better because of it, and you will be rewarded, and you will see dividends from that. That's a big deal, I think, for guys in the transfer portal. Because think about what you're doing if you're in the portal. More often than not, you're coming from a situation that wasn't good for you for whatever number of reasons. And Florida State is saying, it's in your hands. You control what you get out of this. Now, not everybody takes advantage of that, but I think Florida State does a good job of taking guys that will take advantage of that. It used to be need-based for Florida State. Because remember, when Mike Norvell got there, man, it was, uh, it, was not a, it was not a great house, to use that metaphor. There was some issues with the foundation, didn't have the best furniture, there were some holes in the ceiling. Like overall, the roster itself was not ready-made to win right now. And in modern college football, the beautiful part about the portal is you can use that to fix up the house right away. And so what Mike Norvell did was go to the portal to try and offset that to win as they started to get things going on the recruiting side of things at the high school level. And to be clear, I think that's still a priority for Mike Norvell in Florida State. I don't think this is them saying we're just abandoning the high school ranks. I think for them, it is a yes and, not a either or. It's not transfer portal or high school level. I think it is high school level and transfer portal. And to be real, like I said, it used to be need-based. I think right now, Florida State's saying, okay, we're actually pretty good at this. We actually know what we're doing here. We're on kind of the cutting edge of this from an evaluation standpoint. We've had some tremendous success already. I think we're one of the players when it comes to providing confidence when you commit to Florida State via the portal. Like, we're not just making this a matter of preservation. This is now a real weapon for us. This is how we can continue to evolve as a program. And again, they're getting there on the recruiting side of things at the high school level. They're on the cusp of a top 10 class. They were sitting at number 11 last I checked. I believe that's still the case for Florida State. So they're improving, slowly but surely, they're improving. But even with that being said, ma'am, if we can improve our roster for Florida State via the portal, we're going to do that. And they've had tremendous success. Keon Coleman, I don't think it's an argument. He improved his draft stock by going to Tallahassee. Jaheim Bell, I would say the same thing. Johnny Wilson, night and day difference in his career committing to Florida State from the Pac-12. So overall, like Florida State... If you're looking for a better situation and you're comfortable having it be on you to make it happen, 
using their tools, they're going to give you every chance to do that. So it's not a matter of preservation anymore. I think it's a matter of here's how we're going to go about our business. We're going to use the high school level. Yes, we're going to develop, but we're also going to use the portal to get the very blessed, to get the very best players we can find. And in that way, improve our chances to win right now. Has to be said too, Florida State having the NIL resources to land the guys they're landing cannot be overlooked. You don't land 13 players from the Power 5 level or Power whatever level we want to call it now and not have the resources to get those guys on campus. Like, we understand this now. In the transfer portal, it, it takes a certain dollar amount to land a high-profile player. Even if that's not a big deal to you out of, out of the transfer portal, like it still probably has to be factored in when it comes to getting the guy, these guys to commit or getting these guys to be a part of your roster, rather, or getting them to, to feel excited about coming to Florida State. All in all, Florida State, Portal Combat, continuing to crush it. I don't see any changes in the future. I think they will continue to be one of the key players in this. And I think as long as Mike Norvell is there, it will continue to be a factor for them or priority for them when it comes to building their roster. High school level is crucial. They want to keep doing that. That's how they want to make their bet. But they're not going to turn away an asset and a resource for them that has been the transfer portal over the course of the last few seasons. So the good vibes in Tallahassee continue. And we will keep an eye on that here as we keep on rolling along as portal season continues to crush. All righty. Let's get to this now. Uh, we talked about it on a previous show. Got a new segment we're doing here called Hard Count Meetings. And the idea came from exit meetings that you do during the season, or at the end of the season, rather, if you're a player. And I didn't want to call it exit meetings because that sounds like somebody's getting fired or losing their job. Essentially, what we're doing here is trying to take inventory of what's going on at a certain program, and more specifically, what's going on with a certain head coach. And a lot of the good folks in Los Angeles have gotten at me on Twitter and said, talk about our Trojans. I appreciate y'all for doing that, so we're going to do that right now. What's going on with Lincoln Riley? What's going on with USC? Let's have a hard count meeting about it. The issue with USC, the issue with Lincoln Riley, quite frankly, has always been on the defensive side of the football. There was a change made. No longer Alex Grinch being your DC. Went and hired Danton Lynn from UCLA to be your DC. You also made a pretty great hire getting uh, Eric Henderson from the NFL level. Previously defensive line coach for the Rams. Again, he's now going to help on the defensive side of the football to be your co-DC. But here's the deal with this, man. Here's the reason why I haven't been jumping up and down excited about USC when it comes to what they do on the defensive side of the football. We talked a lot about USC last year. And we talked a lot about the players they got last year. Because I, I love a coaching staff. I think coaching staff is extremely important. But like at the end of the day, man, they're not the ones making the tackles. They're not the ones sitting back there in coverage, making the play on the football. They're not the ones getting that strip sack to end up winning the game. It's a player's thing. And for me, for USC, they upped their talent level on the defensive side of the football significantly from 2022 to 2023 and got worse results, allowed 34 points a game did USC. They allowed somewhere around 30 points a game in 2022. So we got better players, we got worse results. So those players, I'm sure they're going to try and retool that as well through the portal. That's going to be something they do. But I'm not jumping up and down because we made some acquisitions with the coaching staff. Because again, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes. It's not about the X's and the O's. Those are good hires. But here's where I'm at with USC. Here's where I'm at with Lincoln Riley. I need to see it now. I need to see it. We've talked about it a lot. Everybody knows what the deal is. Defense has to get better. 
It wasn't good enough last year in the Pac-12. The level of difficulty improves next year as you go to the Big Ten. Like, it's going to be big boy football. It's going to be trenches football. USC has not put anything forward for me to feel confidence that that's going to be better next year from a personnel standpoint. Now, I'd love to sit here in a few months and eat my words and say, hey, I was wrong about USC's defense. I was wrong about those hires. And I'm not telling you the defense is bad. I'm not telling you that the hires are bad. But I am saying, until something philosophically changes, I don't know where USC is at. Because that's, I think, the real thing I want to hit on here. The personnel was good last year. I, I truly believe that. I think Barry Alexander was a great player. I think Anthony Lucas is a great player. I think Jack Sullivan's a great player. Like I think all those guys can ball by nature of what they were at their previous schools and what we've seen them do on the football field. My concern is how we do things at USC. And what I mean by that is you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right priorities across the board within your football program, we're not going to get the results that we want to get to. And I'm not speaking to anybody specifically, but I do think that falls on your head coach. Because I think for USC, it's one of those places where you really have to get it. Like, it has to be real buy-in across the board. It has to mean something for you to be a USC Trojan. And those great teams at USC that they've had in the past, that won Rose Bulls and that, run, that won conference titles and national championships, that's what it was. But there is the major difficulty for a place like USC of having a major city of Los Angeles all around you. Like, I, I love Ann Arbor, Michigan. I love Columbus, Ohio. I love those schools. But, like, you don't have the same allure to the city as you do at those other schools. And so what I'm trying to say here is the distraction potential is much greater in a place like Los Angeles. And if you're at USC, you can be a USC Trojan football player, and you can do that, or you can do L.A. You cannot do both effectively. And after talking to people close to that football program, there is a thought that maybe there wasn't a 100% alignment across the board of what everyone was trying to accomplish. So again, that falls down on whether it's fair or not. I think it falls on your head coach to say, here's how we do things. Here's what we're about. If you're not with it, you got to get out of here. Like there has to be a total recalibration in my mind of priorities. Now, I want to make sure I say this too. I'm speaking from what I have heard. I'm speaking from the outside looking in. Those conversations may be going on internally at, at USC as we speak right now. I don't know. But I think the point stands at USC, the issues we're seeing, I truly believe, are philosophical. I don't think it's a personnel thing. I think USC matched up just fine with a lot of those teams across the board last year. Didn't execute. Didn't tackle. I didn't see the desire from those teams in those games to make it count to make it be a thing where it was a pride factor for them so again that's me looking in at this thing i'm seeing philosophical issues so for lincoln riley going forward down to the big 10 the uphill climb the reason why i'm in the need to see it mode is the fact that you lose a heisman trophy caliber quarterback in caleb williams your offense scored 41 points a game and the team underachieved significantly last year so you subtract that heisman trophy quarterback I don't think it's a stretch to say the defense, or excuse me, the offense may not have that same output. As much as I love Miller Moss, hey, Heis Miller, let's crank that campaign up a little bit. That'd be an awesome t-shirt. I'd be all about that. That'd be a great story. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say, okay, probably better defenses you're playing against next year in the Big Ten. Not as good personnel offensively coming back for you. Offense might take a step back. So defensively, what does that mean? You have to carry more of the load. I love the hires. I don't think they're bad at all. 
But for me, I'm in need to see it, though, before I make any overarching projections on USC. And if, if I'm a U.S., I, I want to make sure I say this, too, about USC. Like, I grew up going to games in the Coliseum. If there's a team that I'd like to see atop of the college football world or be in that tier one competitive space, USC would be one of those teams I'd like to see. Like, it's a place where when it's cooking, man, like, it's a special spot to be at. Being in games in the Coliseum where USC's a top 10 ranked team, there's a real buzz to that, to that program. Like, it, it, when you get LA all in on the football at USC in the Coliseum, like, it's, it's got some real juice to it. So, for Lincoln Riley, I think the, the course set before you is, can you create 100% alignment? Can you create a standard that has no compromises, no negotiations, and it is, we are USC football, that's it. If you want to do LA, we appreciate you, but we're not doing that here. This is USC football, and that is what we are. That's our identity. So we'll keep an eye on this. We'll talk about USC going forward here, and I, I really do, I really, really do hope that USC is able to figure it out and they're able to be in that, in that tier one level in the college football world because that's, I may be a little bit biased, but I think that's fun. I think that's good for college football. So it is what it is. But let me know, man. Get at me on Twitter. Get at me on Instagram, as y'all already have, and let me know how you feel about USC and what you think needs to happen for them to get to where they ultimately hope to get to, which is, of course, winning the Big Ten and competing for national championships again in this new era of college football. All right, let's get after it here in the live chat here in just a minute. we got one more segment, but I want to hear from y'all. Your thoughts, your concerns, your takes even via the live chat. Nick Breakkeeper, the Q, holding it down right now, so get after it in there and we'll have a good time. We appreciate y'all for that. Um, all right, let's get to it. This is uh, some news that was going on yesterday. And it broke on, I say broke on Twitter. There was some real buzz on Twitter and some other bigger accounts ran with this. Basically, the, the storyline here, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, the EA Sports NCAA football video game has been long awaited. The return of it is coming, so we have heard. And there was an account yesterday on Twitter that put out that July 12th was the expected release date. Now, again, a lot of big accounts ran with this. It got some real traction. Then somebody commented on that tweet and said, hey, I talked to folks at EA, and they just said they haven't confirmed a date. Then the VP of global marketing for EA Sports responds, and basically he says, yep, it's coming this summer, but we do not have a date that we've announced. So all that's to say, like your expectations and your excitement was running at an all-time high, and then it came crashing down. Came crashing down, because you're like, okay, you're telling me it's coming. You're telling me it's coming in the summer, but you still won't put a date on it. You're telling me the wedding's coming. You're telling me that we're engaged. It's going to be great, but you still won't put a date on it for the wedding. Why is that? And also, this is compounding when it comes to frustration because there was a report that was out there that turned out to be false that we were going to get an announcement from EA Sports the night of the national championship game. So here's where I'm at with this, man. No expectations equals no disappointment. You can't hurt me if I don't give you the power to. If I don't, if, if I'm not expecting you as EA Sports to give me a release date, if I'm not expecting you to give me this little, you know, piece of hope to chew on as we move towards the supposed release date of this game, I'm untouchable. I got my armor on. I got my guard up. Because until EA Sports gives me an actual release date, and I'm not talking about a Twitter, I'm not talking about some reports from a third party or from someone who gives me a release date, like until it's EA Sports putting out a graphic and says this day 
here's the cover athlete, see all that game stop at midnight. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Until I get that wedding invite in my, in my mail that says this is the day it's going down, I do not believe it. And I think that the best course of action for all of us to approach this with, because if you're EA Sports, you understand where you have us. Like you, you, you understand, you understand how much juice this release has, how much, how much excitement this game has for us as college football fans. Like, let's be real. This is how we used to get through the offseason. As soon as the NCAA, you know, football video game was taken away from us. We had a lot more time on our hands when it came to February all the way up until I guess it was July. The road to glory mode is, is no longer going down in the summer. Now we got to find other things to do with our time. And don't get it twisted now. The, the message boards and the intel and shows like this, we're doing our part now. We're doing our part to, to stay in the college football mode year round. But this was a massive tool for us. They understand that. EA Sports is not going to fumble the release date to somebody else that lets it leak. They're not. Too big of an organization, too much power, too much riding on this. We will not know until they release it from the horse's mouth. That's my firm opinion on this. So overall, man, if we're college football fans, if we're EA Sports and NCAA football fans about this, like, let's just, let's fight back a little bit here internally. I say internally, like emotionally, let's, let's not give them the power to let us down yet again. And I also want to make sure we say this. I thought about this a little bit last night. Uh, on this show here, I will reach out to people at EA Sports to see if we can get them on for an interview. See if we can get something concrete. See if we can get them to give us something to go off of here when it comes to the game. What's going to be in the game, whatever. So if you have any connects, let me know and we'll try and get them on the show. But we are going to work our tail off to get something for y'all as it pertains to the eventual release of that game. But until we hear it from them, we're not buying it. We're not biting. We're not giving you the power to hurt us just yet, EA Sports. Not on our watch. Big day in college football, man. Everyone make sure you like the video. We're going to keep on rolling here, getting to your thoughts, feelings, concerns here in a matter of moments. Before we do that, though, got to tell you all about our folks that are taking care of the show over at Game Time. So college football season has come to a close when it comes to playing the games. There's still some other things worth getting to out there to kind of pass the time until next college football season rolls around. Got the NFL playoffs going on. Probably a lot of good concerts out there, a lot of good comedy events. Some other sports like college basketball are getting going. Be able to preoccupy yourself until next college football season by getting to some of those live events. The best way to do that, game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets. Also, the best way to make sure that you get the best price for your tickets. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You can buy a ticket moments before the event using two taps via the Game Time app. Also, the Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. 110% will be credited to you if you find a seat in the same section and row, but you paid more than that person did for that ticket that will credit you a difference. So bottom line, you're getting the best price. Also, know before you buy using their uh, seat view feature on their app, being able to see what you're going to see from your seat. So you're not sitting behind a pole, not sitting behind the Jumbotron, not sitting behind some other view obstructing item. Know what you're getting into via the GameTime app. So again, snag tickets without the stress using the GameTime app, download the GameTime app, create an account, and when you purchase 
Redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We appreciate Game Time taking care of y'all and taking care of us right here on this program. All right, let's get to y'all's thoughts, feelings, concerns in the live chat now, bringing on everyone's favorite producer, that man, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, brother? Uh, How we pretty, doing? Pretty good. Um, we keep getting this a comment from Faith Thomas, who's a, uh, a local in Los Angeles. I, I'd like for you to talk about this. Talking about what you said uh, with all the stuff going on in L.A. and Southern California. Sure. Um, Faith says they're an SEC football fan and says that uh, – I'm trying to read it verbatim. It's kind of a lot says that Coach Riley needs to a buy-in process um, kind of like there is in the SEC. Hmm. What, do you, what do you make? Just talk a little bit more about, about that uh, situation you yeah. think with USC and how to make that team better. I think it's tricky because what, what I don't want to do is project my beliefs from the outside looking in and say that is absolutely certain what's going on at USC. I think there's a way that it looks from the outside, and I think there's some questions to be answered about USC and things that I've heard from the outside in about USC. Um, I think what she's saying is right. Now, to be fair, the buy-in process at a place like USC in a city like LA, that's a, that's a more difficult task than a place like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Auburn, Alabama, or Athens, Georgia. And that's not to say that those places aren't still tremendous cities, but those places are built around the college. Those places revolve around the university. LA, dude, if, if you're not good, they don't care. They're going to the Santa Monica Pier. They're going to, you know, the latest Hollywood movie. They're going and doing whatever else that L.A. has to offer. And so if I'm a USC football player, I'm a part of the USC organization, having all of that at my fingertips and having some influence as well, I think that's tough. I think that's tough for a college kid to be able to manage those things. So what you have to do if you're the USC football program, like she was alluding to, is create some real buy and create the right structure to have everybody on the same page priority-wise. So again, I'm not telling anybody that I know exactly what's going on with USC. I'm saying from the outside looking in, I think philosophically, there needs to be a renewed sense of value around being a USC football player, being a part of the USC football program. That's how it looks to me. So if there's uh, somebody with other intel that feels differently, I would love to be in the know, but that's how it mm -hmm. looks to me and that's how I feel about it. And I think that has to happen for USC to reach their potential. Yep, uh, thanks Faith. A member of Roll Tide Nation, living in California, living in L.A., so an outside-slash-inside perspective on USC. This next one's coming from Braxton All. Do you think Shane Beamer will be on the hot seat in the next two to three years if he doesn't start winning eight to nine games a season? That's tough. Eight to nine games a season. Um, I think the reality is I don't want to speculate too much on the hot seat talk for Shane Beamer, um, but I do think there's this feel of if we're South Carolina, we see schools around us having success like a Tennessee, obviously Georgia, and Georgia's been rolling. Um, LSU, their first year with Brian Kelly, they got it going. Like I think there's this feeling of, okay, those schools kind of got it jump-started and winning at a high level in a pretty short period of time with their new head coach. And Shane Beamer has had success at South Carolina. Let's, let's not get it twisted. But with that being said, there's the thought of, well, they're succeeding. Why aren't we succeeding at that level? Well, they're crushing it. Why aren't we crushing it how, how they're crushing it? So I understand the frustration is what I'm trying to say. I think two to three years is a fair, a fair timeline. 
in terms of what you're expecting from your head coach, but we'll just kind of let this thing play out for this year. How about that? There's a lot that can happen in a year's time. The way that we're talking about Shane Beamer from last year compared to this year. Remember last year, everyone was ready to elect him president of the United States. Now, right now, there's this thought of, well, is he on the hot seat? I think it's fair for us to kind of let this thing have a little bit more of a, a little more runtime. You've seen some good. There's also been some frustrating. Let's let it play out. Uh, next question coming from Rohan Vongal, um, talking about Jason Candle, who, who's a head coach of a what MAC program? J- JD, can you tell me off the top of your head? Is it Jason Toledo? Campbell, I believe. Jason Candle. Oh, Jason Candle. Let me, let me he, double uh, check. So I looked it up earlier because I saw this. And I forgot what team it was. Uh, so this is a person who his name is circulating with Arizona's head coaching job right now, uh, but also the potential offensive coordinator position at Ohio State. Um, so obviously, without you know knowing much about him, JD, we'll skip that question about how do you feel so, about that so potential. The Arizona, Arizona job's been filled by uh, by oh. Brennan. Oh, it has? Mm-hmm. So, as so, of when? Yeah, as of I'm last behind. night. I need Twitter, yesterday? J.D. Dude, yeah, you got, you got to get on here. You got to uh, So it's a, Toledo's head coach. And our okay, says, makes, yes, yeah, coach okay, at Toledo. So let's just skip that part of the question and say what needs to be done to fix the offensive line uh, at Ohio State because that's the second part of this question, and I think that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, th- there were flashes from Ohio State last year offensively, um, on the offensive line at least. Like the, the drive that sticks out in my mind is the way that they bullied Michigan – in that second half of the game and just kind of marched right down the field. So I think if you're Ohio State, you're probably going to the portal again, which does give a little bit of concern of like, hey, why do we have to keep going to the portal to revitalize that side of, of our offense or that line of scrimmage for us? Um, I think you start there. I also think if you have a quarterback that is a little bit more capable of pushing the ball downfield, Last year, you probably have a different story in that Michigan game. You probably have a different story overall for your season. So there's, there's a couple of things that got to be fixed. I think Will Howard coming over from Kansas State was a big acquisition from what he brings from a dual threat standpoint. You added some depth in that running back room with Quinshawn Judkins, and you bring back Travion Henderson. I'm excited about Ohio State. We talked about them a little bit. Like I, I think they're going to be a force next year. I'm, I'm not super worried about the offensive line just mm-hmm. yet. I think they'll be. Uh, I think they'll be a, a force yet again. Yeah, and well, I mean, a lot of people in this chat, man, they have the belief that the Toledo head coach Jason Candle will be the next offensive coordinator. So that's some early predictions Interesting. from okay. people in the chat. Maybe we'll. I'll have to do some research. Hey, Toledo on. was good, man. Yep, Toledo they were. was good last year. Absolutely, uh, Rocky Top Tom. It's been a while since I've seen that name. There uh, we go. What's your way too early SEC title matchup for next year? Ooh, way too early SEC title matchup. You know, I think Georgia's going to be there. I really do. I just, I don't know about Bama, man. I don't know about Bama. I, I don't have a lack of faith in Kalen DeBoer, but I do think it takes some time to kind of get things up and rolling. And the way they used Jalen Milrow last year, I thought was really creative and really specific to that staff. Um, you know, Nick, I think we see Georgia and Texas next year in the SEC championship game. So they'll play in the regular season, and they'll play again, I believe, in Atlanta. Okay. How about that? I'm going to go Ole Miss, Georgia. Ooh, I like that. I I'd think Georgia is going to win there, convincingly, though, uh, than the, the SEC next year. They're going to be really good, aren't they, Georgia? Georgia's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. They're the favorite to win the national championship They're probably right my now. favorite right now. And, J.D., look, I haven't told you since we got on the show. Man, I 
I do not ever predict the winner of anything. Every time I predict the winner before the season starts in any sport, I'm off by a mile. I got Michigan right preseason. Hey, there we go. It's finally happened. There we go, baby. I mean, to be fair, to predict someone preseason is a tall task. It is. But very tall task. It is, but so it, it feels like I should have known so a few times. So you knocked it down. Yeah, I, I guess. Maybe That's I should huge. just, yeah. I'm going to pick Georgia this year, so if I can get that right two years in a row. There we go. Yeah, I mean. We'll take it. They're going to have to give me a seat at the desk next to you, J.D. That's big. No, that's big time, man. (laughs) We'll get it it going. I would love nothing more. I I think that that would be a train wreck, but um, I'll stay in here. No, Uh, I think, no. Hey, we we get you some Twitter, and you're in. (laughs) I need to download Twitter. You're in shape, man. That's the first step. For those of you And maybe watching games this year, too. Yeah, I mean, hey, just two simple steps, and we're in business. Uh, for those at wondering about Jason Candle, um, Toledo was in the MAC championship last year. Came up short against Miami. They averaged 29 points a game last year. Did the Rockets? So there's a proof of concept there. Daquan Finn was obviously a big part of that. You have to believe he's now headed to Baylor. But Toledo, if if the predictions from the live chat end up coming to fruition with him ending up being the OC at Ohio State, that would be uh, that'd be what you're getting. So we'll see. Yeah, Rocky Top Tom, tell JD Tennessee's coming to the party. Uh, interesting. That could happen. Okay. Uh, next one, Walter Burke asked JD, what do you feel that Miami is now missing in order to finish top five or to have a top five finish next season? Hmm. Top five finish. You got to have some things break your way. Quite frankly, um, the obvious part of this is the turnovers and that's not a super novel analysis. That's not really super inside baseball, but like you look at what they were last year to be good enough to go eight and four. And I, I stick on the eight and four thought because I think that's the level of team they were if they take an either eight and four they were seven and five um they turned the ball over twice a game and still found a way to be in position to win eight football games so if you turn the ball over once a game how much does that change your outlook on your season is Miami a 10 win football team last year I don't know just 10 wins get you in the college football playoff next year we'll see so those are all pretty lofty things we're talking about when it comes to to Miami but I think the obvious has to be um, the turnovers and what Cam Ward brings to the table there. If he can cut down on fumbles, he's a much better passer of the football, in my opinion, and much less interceptions than Tyler Van Dyke a season ago. So I like where Miami sits. I love their young talent. And honestly, Nick, when we get to prediction time in the summer, I guess early fall of next year, I'm, I'm tempted to just pick Miami out right in the ACC. I'm tempted. I'm not doing it, but I'm tempted. So we'll I, see I'm happens. doing it. We'll see how they're, you're, you're picking them right And now. like I said, look, there I make go. all these Let predictions. Fly, I don't watch a lick of college football. I watch highlights. Okay. Uh, and I edit photo B-rolls for our show. Okay. So that's my extent. And then I listen to what you say. But I'm taking Miami. Okay, I like it. Well, as long go. as they uh, put victory formation in their playbook this hey, year, I think they're going to first pick it. of the year is locked in. The first pick of the year is locked in by Big Nick Break, <laughs> baby. Yep, and maybe I'll, I'll watch there. some games next year so I can back up my 2025 predictions. I love that. I um, absolutely love that. This is, I don't, it's an Ask JD, but I don't know if this is a question or a statement. Altcoin Update says, JD, NFL coach that can be Colorado defensive coordinator. So, I yeah, I don't know about that one. I don't know if that's a comment or a question. If you don't mind one, clarifying. But. Colorado needs help. I mean, the defense getting better would be nice for Colorado, but they have they have problems bigger than that, in my opinion. A lot. They remind me. Uh, so back when I actually did watch college football, 2016 <laughs> Louisville, uh, their offensive line 
Do you ever remember watching Lamar Jackson play Louisville? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I was absolutely. actually a Louisville fan back then. That's before I went to Western Kentucky. They get TV. carved up. Yeah. <laughs> they get carved up every single week. That's what it felt like a lot of times with Sugar Sanders. They need some big boys. Some big boys up front. Like they were just so, they were so limited yep. offensively, and, and they were obviously not great defensively either. So give us some time. I think, I think Deion Sanders is going to do his best to acquire some talent still there via the portal, but they got some work to do. They this, got some work to do. I, I need to clarify something, JD. JL, JLMC Grot says so there's a guy on a college football show that doesn't watch a lick of college football. Look, man, I'm the producer. Um, JD watches more college football than I probably say anyone in college football media. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I don't really have to for my job. <laughs> I, I'm in charge of doing editing and stuff. So Heavy lifting. I, I come on here to read your questions. Um, so I just need to know that much. Yeah. And um, so. Let them know. That, Let them know. Yeah. But no, it's a good question. It's a good question. I love that. OG Gary, who is an Instagram friend of mine. Um, so we can end on this, JD. Is it wrong to think the Alabama situation right now is the same as the 90s Bulls? So I saw this same question on Twitter, and I guess like the thought here is, okay, back against the wall, got to find a way, no more Nick Saban. I see, I see the correlation there. I think I would need some more context to, to understand where you're going with that. Because I guess it's like, hey, this is the the new era for us with no Nick Saban. I, I get that part of it, but I might need a little bit more to go off of there. But I appreciate OG Gary adding to that conversation and, and bringing the juice there. But regardless, man, I, I don't expect Bama to go quietly into that good night. That roster, as much as we're seeing some portal exodus from them, Caleb Downs being the big one today, Alabama's, Alabama's still in a pretty good position when it comes to what they have on the talent side of things. But regardless, Nick, I appreciate you, brother. Let, letting the haters know today, also calling your shot for the ACC, for the national champion. Like, if you miss today's show as just a, a, a you know, hard count enthusiast, but today was the day you missed, they missed, some, they missed some big predictions. They did, which obviously if they missed it, they would have no idea. But, yeah, Miami winning the ACC. I think Georgia is going to win the national championship. Boom. Take it to the bank. I follow the analytics, JD. Take it to the bank. Appreciate it, big dog. Well, heck, let's do it again tomorrow. What do you say? Let's do it. That man, Nick Brake, heavy lifting, calling his shot today. Appreciate y'all that are dialed in right now. Appreciate y'all that have watched this show to this point. If you've watched this show, make sure you subscribe. Got right around 70% of our audience that is still yet to lock in and subscribe. Doesn't cost you a dime. We're not going to bother you. Just helps us do more content of what you want to see so we get a better gauge of what to produce for you. So with that being said, man, back on the air tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here, this same time, same place, on the hard count. We'll be talking some more ball, get some more of y'all questions that we have. I uh, posted a, a tweet the other day and asked for some of y'all's questions. So if you have not yet, get those in at that tweet on Twitter. I'll retweet that so y'all know where that is. Um, bottom line, hey, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all.